Welcome to Inside Scoop with Sean Emery. Every week we are examining something new, bringing you closer to companies, sectors, and themes. This recording should not be construed as a substitute for personalized individual advice from Avery and Company or any guest on the show. This is for educational purposes only and not intended to make an offer or solicitation for any companies or securities mentioned. With that, let's get on with the episode. So today we have a special guest, Jesse Showalter. He is one of the leaders in content marketing, content creation. He knows all the tools. Uh, If you follow him on YouTube, there's hundreds of thousands of people that follow him. And what we wanted to do, as always, is bring someone on that is a specialist in the industries that we think are shaping the future. Jesse is one of those. The conversation today, we want to learn more about the emerging technologies, the pros and cons of the existing technologies, and really where the world is going from the product side. So I hope you enjoy our conversation today. So let's bring him on. Oh, yeah. All righty. There it goes. Here we go. Jesse Showalter, the king of content. Lucky to have you on Inside Scoop. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, so I've uh, followed you for quite some time. I built Wix, my own website. You know, it's uh, one of the better platforms out there. But for everybody not familiar with you and and what you're doing, just give us a little intro. Sure. My name is Jesse Showalter. Um, I'm a digital designer. That means I do mainly UI design, UX design, product design. I work for startups and Fortune 500 companies right now as a freelancer. Um, and I, some years ago, I, I made the silly mistake, not really a mistake, of deciding to start a YouTube channel to teach, train, encourage others to start their career in the creative industry, to solve problems, uh, but really to build a lifestyle um, and a life and a career that you enjoy and love. Um, so I'm not an artist. I don't sketch. I don't paint. I solve problems. And so that's where I, what I found uh, is the most exciting thing. I've been doing that for about 15 years, and I love it. Yeah, solving a lot of problems. You have 258,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel. He's being humble. You know, today's going to be a good conversation or a great conversation about the health of the creator economy, kind of the tools, the what's hot, the what's not, what is emerging. I went back and looked at your YouTube videos and I went all the way back to the start of Jesse. And that was eight years ago. You know, you were one of the first to it. I think that is uh, what's gotten you to where you are today. Tell us a little bit about then versus now and web development, maybe content, anything you want to share. Sure. I mean, a lot's changed. Um, when I, you know, I'll go even further back. When I started in the creative industry, um, I was washing dishes, waiting tables, and I was like, I'm looking for something to do that I can be passionate about. And design was the thing. I was in punk rock bands. I was like, so I started like designing grungy, you know, broke down looking like punk rock posters. And it kind of went from there. But the resources for me to learn were blog posts. That was the thing, right? That was the content that I intook or that I devoured to help me understand how to get a hold on it. I didn't have a degree. I hadn't gone to school for it, but I was passionate. I wanted to learn. And so there's a lot of things that have changed, but I'll start off by saying this. Some things never change. And some things that never change are quality and grit and drive, content, data. Those things are constants in our world. Um, Those things are important things to leverage. Once you have an understanding of those as constants, well, then the medium in which that content is delivered or that data is gathered or that platform is built or that whatever technology is there, you know, 20 years from now, we were arguing about whether or not we should keep using Dreamweaver and design websites and tables. And now we're trying to figure out the blockchain, how we can integrate it in every part of life. So things will always change, but some things will not. So in my little kind of like span of, uh, of time on this earth or in this creative space, I went from devouring online content, reading, deciding I wanted to make content. Um, and one of the things you have to choose there or make a decision somewhere in there is how can I successfully make content over the long haul or for the, a long period of time? I don't like to write. It's not my favorite thing, but I like to chat. I like to have a conversation and I'm not afraid to turn a camera on and look at it square in the face. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So I started making YouTube videos 
and they were really awful and you have to learn how to find your voice and all that kind I watched of stuff. One today. So oh, what was that? And it was good. I watched one year, one, one eight years ago. And, you Oof. know, other than, you know, a little bit of elements here and there, um, you know, it's quality. You were putting some quality content out there. And again, I, I, kind of what you just said, quality always kind of lasts forever. And some of the principles I think that you were laying out like eight years ago were, uh, exist today. It's just maybe the tools and platforms uh, are different. And right. maybe that's where, you know, some of the tools today, like what are the top tools that you, maybe some of your colleagues, some of uh, your potential clients are asking for how to use, you know, uh, sure. anything around the actual toolkit that you use? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you could put all of them in the general bucket of the new best and most amazing thing to do is to surrender all pride of something and then just build it uh, with the least path of resistance. What's the easiest possible way to get to the end? Because what we've realized is the tooling doesn't matter. The technology doesn't matter. The end result matters. So things, I, I'm a really big proponent right now of anything um, that is in the no-code space because that's allowing people like never before to create things that not that weren't able to create things before. Like maybe you can't handle a website. Maybe you didn't spend years honing your skills in front of development and learning every CSS property so you don't know how to do that. And that whole thing, that used to be the vibe. That used to be the pathway was I want to do X. And so before I get to X, I have to learn A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way, all these little skills and tools to build a website, launch a product, yet learn business skills, whatever it is. But now so many things have just fast-tracked that process. Um, so no code for me is one of the biggest ones. So I'm a big fan of builders, like especially if you're going to build a website, marketing websites. Um, I'm a big Webflow and EditorX fan. So those are like the two tools I would recommend for website building. If you want to build an application, uh, you should be using something, If I mean, and you don't know anything about code, there's no shame in going and opening up a bubble account or a Bravo account to build a mobile app or a desktop application. Because really, because this is how amazing it is. Um, at the end of the day, it's about data, right? Like we already said. So build your data set in an Airtable or an Excel spreadsheet and then leverage that data. Data is the thing that matter. I did a series on my channel um, uh, maybe like a year ago where I built a mobile app and launched it in the Android or in the Google Play Store and the, uh, the Apple Store in like a weekend. I spent th two or three days doing it, designed it, created a data set in Airtable, connected it using Bravo Studio and boom, mobile app done, up. And so it was like, it, it was really like, it was an experiment to see if you're passionate enough, if you have enough of that grit and you have quality and content and data, can you do something with it without having the knowledge? And I walked through it step by step. But I mean, I'm, we're talking up here 72 hours and we were in the app store like approved. That's, that's like absurd. It's, in, right. it's insane like that you can do that. So now my thing is, I don't, I don't care necessarily. I'll, I'll, I'll say, hey, these tools are helpful. That tool is helpful. But the skill doesn't matter as much as the idea, as much as the content, as much as the quality. All, everything else is just the vehicle to release that creativity, release that idea. So uh, I would say, yeah, um, um, uh, Editor X and Webflow for websites, Bubble. Um, uh, there's another for mobile apps, Bravo. There's another one called Glide. You can make a Glide app in 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, we're like 10 minutes, maybe start to finish a Google spreadsheet. There's your data connected to Glide. Boom. Do you want to publish this right now? insane you could do it on your lunch break right so i love that as well um, i'm also a big automation fan so anything that um, packages or automates things so i'm on like a zap like a zapier like master pro plan because i don't want to do manual tasks menial manual mundane not my I think thing. our Zapiers were talking to each other to to set up this uh, interview. Probably, <laughs> I mean, that's with automation on automation. Yeah, I like I have. We were talking about this before the podcast started. Like, I have an executive assistant that helps me schedule and manage and run and kind of help me operate things. I don't want to 
pay her to do something I can pay Zapier to do for 20 bucks a month. That's right. stupid. That's a bad idea. So what I'd rather do is offload all of that dumb manual automation stuff onto something like Zapier or Automate IO, have them run all these processes in the background and have her manage and like big things, big ticket items that actually need that white glove hands-on service for. So you probably contacted like trying to get me on this podcast, there was about seven steps of automation that took place before she ever saw it. Then she did a few things, ran some workflows. And so now there's like 15 or 20 things that ever happened before I even saw the email to get involved in this podcast. And that saved me hours of time. And I highly value my time. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree. The I'm only currency that you can't make more of is time. How I found you was obviously years back, which was how to, you know, improve our tools set and and uh, improve the time, you know, and, and we're big users of Zapier as well. Um, creates a lot of efficiencies The the whole entire no code movement, you know, we're b- big believers as a firm um, generally. And, you know, it all started and, you know, you go back a decade where cloud computing really started to take hold, um, which really allowed a lot of these platforms to exist and update uh, frequently, have that code really sit in the back end, you know, the software code sit in the back end. So someone like yourself, someone like me doesn't have to code anymore and, and it can go to the back end where it belongs and free the creators and content creators such as yourself. Um, you know, for, for kind of this segment, if, if you could break down, I wanted to go a little bit deeper into maybe the, the, the web flow versus Wix's Editor X, um, you know, just separate, you know, what you like, maybe what you don't like um, uh, about those two uh, platforms today. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm big fans of both. And I know a lot of people will fanboy over one or the other. I'm not that way. I will always use the tool that makes most sense for the client, the project or the need. I think both of those tend to fit a large majority of those needs, right? Quite often in my in my area. And just to give a little context, my area of expertise is working with startups, Fortune 500s. So if I'm going to do like a marketing website for a startup, I'm going to pull, a, I'm going to use Editor X or a Webflow to do that because there's a few things about them that are consistent. So I'll talk about the similarities that are great about both. One, they're super easy to use. The The learning curve is super low. Um, they have immediate implementation um, and ability or capabilities of data. So databases, like managing that data, like harnessing and aggregating that data. And my camera just went off for some reason. And if you give me two <laughs> seconds, I will, I will fix that. This one instead, all right? Uh, there we go. Man, this is the man. The, the content creator has a backup after backup tool, so. Redundancy, man. Okay, so back to what I was saying, right? Like, so... Um, the ability to create content and then aggregate that content, put it where you need it, fly it around on your site. That's like game changing. Cause now, you know, we all learned that when we were building static websites back in the day, I, I literally worked for an agency one time where we were building static websites with hundreds of pages. And if you needed to make a change, you had to make that single text change on hundreds of pages. So we learned this lesson, the power of content management of governance is important. So the, both of those platforms do that really, really great. Here's what I love individually about each one of those platforms. I find the building process, the modification uh, inside Webflow to be a little bit more powerful. Um, I, I like the fact that I can take these basic elements, containers, buttons, so on and so forth. And we've created now, there's entire courses out there that people are building, like my buddy Ron Segal, who builds like the Webflow Masterclass course, teaching you how to start with a style guide and then just flesh everything out so smoothly and so quickly. So I think that Webflow, you can get much more nitty gritty a lot more detailed. I find the customization to it a lot easier because it is more aligned with actual code, right? So I'm working in Webflow in that right-hand panel talking about padding and margin. That's the HTML box model, right? That's just, you can't get away from the basics of what this tool is doing, but it more tightly aligns with the code. So 
I've even told people, if you want to learn a little bit about code, try, try opening up a Webflow project and mess around in there. And all of those things you see, all those, all those little properties are CSS properties or HTML properties. So you're actually learning code as you build, which I think is huge. But because of that, I, I find the customization to be really smooth. I also find the, um, the way that they do data, um, if you do like a CMS plan inside of Webflow, I like the way that they manage data. It's a little bit more um, of a traditional or kind of like stone cold CMS kind of interface that allows you to create that content. And the adding of that content, I find to be a little bit easier than Wix or Editor X. Um, so I, I like Webflow quite a bit for that, that process. Also, the customization of like animations and interactions and things like that are so stinking easy. Like the, like the interface designers over there have done basically like created my wet dream of how to design animations, how to think about animations from start to stop. The it's, it's broken down so that the lay person go, I could do that, which I think they've done a phenomenal job at. Um, also, I think that if you really want to pick a platform that there's lots of content out there and lots of education webflow makes amazing education like with their webflow university it's all really succinct and it has a huge community backing it that's what i love about webflow i would say with editor x what i love is somebody who knows nothing about code doesn't want to learn code can create really flashy really cool responsive websites like that like i mean they have really dialed in the manual kind of drag and drop Kind of nature of things so if you don't want to do any of that code stuff you don't want to work with that properties panel you kind of just want to plop something on the canvas move it around and go stay there you can do that in, in editor x that's really great i think there's been so many i've seen the rise and fall of so many web builders um and some of them did some things right some of them did other things right but these two platforms do all the core basics right right which is you know being able to design um being able to test being able to launch taking care of all that stuff in the back end, super seamless. So I like that. I do like that Wix is much more user-friendly for the kind of like layperson or introductory kind of, I want to build my website type person. I think you could build with no sort of understanding, start with a template, move things around, do some customizations and have something you really like in a day or two, which is in and of itself mind blowing. Um, it's crazy. I had a, I'll tell a little story. I had a buddy of mine who runs a really successful tattoo shop um, who I actually built a website for 15 years ago, built on some old antiquated CMS that was hot back then, but died. Um, and it just started deteriorating. And he asked me if I could rebuild him one. I said, no, I don't really have the time right now. He, so he asked for a recommendation. And I said, I think you should just do editor X, dude. And I gave him, I filmed a three minute like loom video of here's what I would do. Start like this, go like that. And within like three or four days he was like we have a new website all built the seo's rocking like we're selling products on it doing e-commerce i'm booking people through the thing he's like this is great i'm like yeah it's awesome <laughs> you know so he was able to do it and he's not a web de developer or web designer but he was able to do it within like four or five days wow yeah wow so yeah, so so yeah you're, you're definitely seeing a lot of traction in those i just did a google search trend not that long ago uh which was an hour and a half ago uh, which was how to build a website. And that just hit a record high, which is uh, pretty uh, incredible um, for on Google. Um, now, you know, Wix and, and uh, you know, the Shopify's of the world for commerce, specifically the, uh, uh, the web flows of the world, they're doing great, right? In terms of uh, mindshare slash um, product. Then there's the, the WordPresses of the world, um, which is different, a different animal altogether, but just, What's your thoughts there on WordPress um, kind of, you know, being the 800 pound gorilla to potentially not if we try to think five years from now, 10 years from now? 
Yeah, I think um, I think WordPress is great. I think it's fine. I don't love it. And the reason I don't love it is because um, it just requires more hands-on maintenance, more hands-on work. I think I have a, I have a great buddy of mine who runs um, like a digital design agency and they do almost exclusively WordPress. Um, and they love that because they have developers on their team and they can customize everything and they create training videos and all this stuff around it. I have just found when I have delivered WordPress sites to clients or when I just talk to people who have a WordPress site, it's rare that I, in a conversation about somebody who's a WordPress user, you don't hear the word issue come up in some way. Plugin, update, issue, can't figure it out, can't solve it. So to me, those are those are red flags. Those are walls. And the wall is really the, the technical nature of what needs to be done there, um, like with that platform. So I'm just, I'm a big fan of the democratization of web development, of code, of ideas. And I think that those are still kind of locked. I think Webflow is still, or excuse me, WordPress is still kind of locking it behind that technical wall. In my opinion, there's too much friction. And the way that the web is moving, it's moving away from friction and towards the path of least resistance, which is, I don't care if this isn't the cool thing or the 800 pound gorilla or can scale up to a thousand pages because maybe I don't need a thousand page website. Maybe I don't need, you know, all like 500 plugins, like running the back end of my website. Maybe I just need to be able to build it now, have 10 or 15 pages and sell things to make my business thrive. I don't know. I think there is a tool for everybody. And sometimes, you know, the, the right tool is just the right tool for the job. So I'm not going to recommend Editor X, if Coca-Cola says we need to build a new website, I don't know, maybe I would, but there's probably tons and tons of, of, of solutions out there and resources out there at their fingertips that they don't need something like that. But those are fewer and further between. I feel like the rise of content creation, the rise of online business, the rise of remote work, and people are, I just read a, like a statistic the other day that the most successful online entrepreneurs in 2022 are those starting at home online or content generating businesses. That's insane. They don't need a thousand page website. What they probably need is really rocking Instagram, some sort of web presence, a marketing page, a Squarespace, who knows? They need those few things and they're making high six figures. Some of them even into the seven figure. I, I don't, you know, I'm just not sure that that's going to be, it used to be that WordPress, Drupal, Joomla, that whole like genre of like web development was the only way. And if you weren't doing it, you were wrong. Same thing with, we're talking about tools. Photoshop and Adobe used to be the only thing. It used, it used to be said, that's the industry standard. You must use those. That's not the case anymore. I know people who are making high six figures as designers and they're Canva designers. Yeah. Let, let that sink in for a little bit. Like, Yeah, no, Canva's a great. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Um, let's talk about uh, kind of shifting gears is, you know, the partner program. Someone like yourself, you know, you're trying to um, use these platforms, use them, uh, in kind of congruent with the platform and kind of, you know, they're trying to build out the content creators like yourself uh, and other agencies and, you know, uh, the list of kind of potential use cases. Talk about maybe some of those platforms and, you know, specifically Wix has been really trying to lean in on the partner program um, and successfully. So in some cases, it's been a couple of years, but in general, just looking across the spectrum of tools, you know, what does the partner programs look like? How do you think about them? You know, what's the pros, cons, maybe anything that you wanted to share? Yeah, I mean, I wish I had a, like very much, I wish I had anything really to say about like partner programs, but I, I, I'm just not really like in tune with those like areas with those companies. Like um, I stay pretty uh, like, I stay to myself. Like I don't choose a platform. I don't stick with one. I don't promote one only. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty open. I'm an open book. 
And so I am Jesse. You're a directed Jesse. Uh, I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a directed Jesse kind of guy. And I'm, <laughs> my, my thing is my branding, my content, my value that I bring is hopefully authenticity, honesty, and a genuine perspective. So, I mean, I spent, I'll be very honest. Like I, I do sponsor stuff now, like on my channel, like, you know, uh, editor X has come to me, web flow has come to me. I've worked with them a little bit like here or there. Right. But I have two rules. Number one, I will never, ever promote something that I don't actually enjoy myself, use myself, or am amazed by the first time seeing and think other people would be amazed by. That's the thing. I have to genuinely, authentically enjoy it or use it myself. That's rule number one. And rule number two, I will never be exclusive to any one thing because that goes against my my ethos of right tool for the job. So I've had people, I've had companies come and try to like say, hey, we'd be part of this partner program. We'd be exclusive with us like this. I'm like, no, I can't do that because I need to stay authentic to people. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, finding the right tool. And the tools are always evolving. I mean, obviously there's the leaders um, and those leaders are evolving as well uh, for the most part. Um, I, that, that leads me to another question, which is, you know, what is one tool you think that is exciting to you that maybe isn't as well known today um, if you had any, any to pick? Oh my gosh, my number one of all time, like that I use every single day that I could not live without. You'd be surprised to hear it maybe because it's not a design tool, development tool. It's actually Notion. Notion for me mm. is the end all be all of how I run my business, run my life, do everything. And it's much more than, well, I, sometimes I say Notion to people. They go, the note-taking platform? I'm like, no, dude, yeah. not the note-taking platform, the everything platform. Because with Notion, I, I run my life. I run my business. I handle my clients. Like the other day, um, I'm kind of transitioning over from freelance work and more into forming a digital remote agency. So I have subcontractors, people I'm hiring, and I have clients, big clients. I mean, we're, we're talking like 80, 90, $100,000 projects. And I'm going, I need to manage these projects, manage this team. And I had a, I had a stupid moment where I was like, I guess I got to like start like an Asana uh, like account and like start using that as my tool. And I was like, wait a minute, I already have a tool that I use to organize everything. All it requires of me is just a little bit of my time to set it up. And so I built an entire agency management system inside of Notion that tracks my team, tracks our hours, tracks the client, has a client portal, has access to things. I did all of that in Notion. And it's the same tool that I wake up in the morning and go, uh, my habits, did I work out today? Yes, did I take my vitamins today? It's that same system and it's just, but it's all data and it's all just me aggregating and deciding how that data is shown and like, and, and where it's placed. So for me, Notion is the end all be all tool. Yeah, it's so powerful. I remember the first time I got my eyes on Notion, it's almost uh, overwhelming when you first see it because it's almost like, where do I start? And you can start with the templates and then, uh, you know, you start going down a rabbit hole and you start hitting the formulas and then all of a sudden you don't know what's connected to what per se. And, right. and then all of a sudden you have uh, like eight different channels that maybe aren't necessarily related, mm -hmm. but it's all there and it's all created by yourself, which is the power of it. You know, I, I actually use uh, Monday mm -hmm. uh, as a tool. It's, it's a little bit more lightweight than um, let's or a little less uh, slightly less flexible in terms of what you can do with it little more formatted and and you know squares sure. and and whatnot but yeah notion's incredible so that that's that's exciting to hear that uh it's always that it's that it's that balance between like a monday.com and a sauna it's set up to do one thing right it's set up to do a certain thing well whereas yeah. notion is this open-ended what will you do with it today you can be anything <laughs> so it's interesting because it seems like a contradiction in some areas of my life i'm like no code pick a platform like go with a platform even if it's limiting it's better Whatever. I'll, I'll be a total advocate of that. Like for instance, I have, um, I have like a members club. Uh, I sell products. I, I sell courses. I do all that through a platform called Podia. I could stitch together 
a, a teachable course and a, a Stripe like payment paywall and a Slack chat. I could stitch all those together with a Zapier account, but I like having everything under one roof. It's convenient for me. It's peace of mind and it does it well for me. So I'm an advocate for things like that because for me, that's the path of least resistance. But it's interesting because something about Notion, um, and maybe it's just because I have this, I have the the prior knowledge and the skill set to code my own formulas, do all that thing. And I have the interest to nerd out on it and make it exactly what I want. Because I like going to one place for my daily habits, my YouTube content, like like uh, entire setup, my agency setup, my finances, my journal, all of it's in one place. I'm like, oh, that's so much better. And I pay $8 a month for it. Like for me, I'm like, this is, this is, this couldn't get any better. Like, yeah. Last segment and, and you alluded to it, the freelance, obviously, you know, you're one of the more, you know, you start as kind of, uh, the grind and then the freelance. And then it, it, it sounds like you've, you know, you've, uh, matured into potentially massive, large products or projects. Uh, people know the name, right. And, and forming, uh, the agency that you're, you're, you're discussing in a sense. Um, while still maintaining, obviously, you know, your foundation and roots, um, you know, there's studies out there that show the freelance market or freelancers will be roughly like 50% of uh, employment by 2030. Um, it kind of makes some sense. Again, you, we talked about all the tools we're talking about and the outlets to create and whether it's writers or, you know, uh, digital services on on different platforms that you can provide or Turo with uh, sharing your car on a rideshare platform or Ubers and Lyfts and, you know, gig economy type of activities. What is your opinion of the whole freelance ecosystem? You know, not counting, I guess, you know, I think you're an outlier in, in, in one sense. Um, so what do you think of the whole community and the tools that are being built and where it's going to be by like, let's say a 2030, even though that's a hard prediction to make? Yeah, my, my prediction is that um, the creative economy is going to grow. The need for creatives the need for content, the need for skilled people to do this is going to grow. We're seeing the need for it grow right now. Uh, we're seeing people want to stay home because they can make money from home. They can use those skill sets and leverage them. So freelance is on the rise because the skill set or the need is on the rise. The skill set is growing to meet that need. I mean, we're talking about like a very healthy industry where you don't have to rely on commuting and going to the office anymore, but you can stay at home easily editing somebody else's content, um, editing podcasts, creating graphics, and you can do that making a really nice living like a really good living, like for yourself. That's what I train people to do. That's what I hope people will do because it allows me to make my own schedule. It allows me to invest my time in things that matter more to me than driving to go, quote unquote, work for somebody else. You end up building your own business. Now, some people aren't going to like that. Some people don't realize that that's what they're doing to their own fault. They don't realize that as they freelance, they are building a business. Um, and, And some people do realize it and they will, like me, start to enjoy building that business more than they actually enjoy the creative work or the vehicle itself. I enjoy the destination, the journey now more than that. But I believe the creator economy is going to continue to grow. I believe it's going to continue to abstract itself away from physical locations and offices. And the reason being, I found this all the time. People, I'm, I'm teaching like a workshop um, um, in August about becoming a freelance UI and UX designer. And people might be like, oh, we've heard that before, but it's different. It's different than becoming a freelance web designer or a freelance graphic designer. It's it's people entrusting their products to you as a freelancer. That's even, that's almost more scary because we're going to invest time and energy and money in you, the freelancer, to help us bring our product to a place that increases revenue and traction and leads in our user base. That's a huge responsibility. 
and companies are starting to do it because they're getting great results out of it and they don't have to pay people's insurance and their 401k matching. So when I throw astronomical hourly rates at people, it doesn't matter because they're like, well, we're not paying for his insurance and we don't have to pay for office space for him and we don't have to pay for his 401k. This is a stinking deal like to pay Jesse X amount, this atrocious hourly rate, some people would think. But at the end of the day, that's it. We do the project and they don't have to pay all that excess. So uh, I, I think if you're smart, the creator economy will grow. And as it's growing, it's going to struggle. It's going to, people are going to take two steps forward, one step back. And that's why I feel like so much content is coming out about freelancing. You got, you got guys like Chris Doe over at the future. You got Michael Jonda. You got people online teaching about freelancing like never before. So 15, 20 years ago, when I was learning about creativity, all you could find is creative blogs about how to use Photoshop. But now you can't throw a stick somewhere online without seeing an article on how to freelance, what to charge, how to land clients, where to land clients, how to make a contract, a proposal, because there's a need for it, right? There's a gold rush of people realizing, oh, crap, I can work from home and work for myself. And I, I only think that's going to grow, but it's going to grow with, with growing pains. Yeah. So just like always, people are going to try it. They're going to struggle. They're going to bail out after a year because they didn't do it the right way or they didn't find a system and structure that works for them. So. No, that makes sense. We agree completely. You know, let's end there. Uh, Jesse, thanks for taking some time to hang with us, you know, sharing the insights around all these different tools and such. You know, you do a lot of things um, from YouTube to members to, uh, you know, some of this agency or uh, larger projects that you're talking about. You know, it, I just want to give you a second to share some of those. Uh, I'll, I will put like the links in the description for anyone interested to, to contact you guys directly. Um, but just anything that you're doing specifically that you wanted to share and, and a little bit more about uh, your business. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can find everything about me at jessyshowalter.com. I have links to courses and workshops and, you know, products that I sell. I sell the Notion templates and I sell them for cheap. I'm not trying to get rich off of them. I sell them for like seven bucks. And for seven bucks, I can fast forward like your Notion, like whole setup, like by 20 hours. So uh, I also have a course that just released with Dribble, where I teach a 16 week product design course, zero to hero, become a product designer. Or even if you don't want to become a product designer, you can learn everything about the product design process. I find it to be great also, not only for creatives, but for founders, for CEOs, for people who want to understand that side of the business. Um, I'm releasing my own content always, of course, on YouTube. Um, but I also have some of my own courses coming out, not only these workshops, but courses like Soft Skills for Creatives coming out soon. I'm releasing a course later this year called YouTube for Creatives um, on how to build an online presence and, and personal brand using YouTube. So I'm always just releasing content. I want to bring as much value as possible to people. But you can find all of that on jessyshowalter.com. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at I am Jesse Show, And I tend to update that stuff pretty regularly. Cool. Jesse, thanks again uh, for coming on. And, and yeah, we'll catch up in the future. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.